Okay. Come on in. Thank you. Thanks for letting me come be with you today. I'm going to apologize in advance. I sound worse than I feel. And so if you hear my voice going out, just start praying that it comes back because I, I love any opportunity to come and be with um, brothers and sisters at Otter Creek. There are several of you in here who I know well, and it's a privilege and an honor. So, so thank you for inviting me. Um, what Andy and the Kegels asked me to talk about today, it's one of my very favorite topics. It's the idea of connection with God. And I'm going to talk about it in the framework that um, I think has already been laid out in the class, the idea of a freedom mindset, a freedom action. And this piece, a freedom connection, that's what we're going to look at today. And just like Scott prayed, I want to talk about it probably at rapid speed so that we can actually practice connection. Because I don't really want to go to church or to Bible study or to small group or to any kind of training unless I'm encountering God. And I think we have a lot of things in American Christian culture that we're doing, but we're not connecting. And so I'm going to fly through it, and hopefully if you have questions, you can ask these guys next week when I'm not here. But I think you really learn to connect by practicing connection. And so we're going to go after this, but I think we have to go after the freedom mindset and some action when you actually learn the discipline of connecting. And so... When we talk about drawing near with connection and proximity, I think we have to wrestle and really wrestle on a personal level with why do we need to be connected to God and why is proximity close? Um, I have prayed with people for a lot of years, thousands of people, church people, and what tends to happen when we sit down to pray is that these people have been in church like myself their whole life. Um, they know that they're saved they have that kind of solid thing in their heart where they go, okay, when I die, I am going to be with Jesus in heaven. Maybe they go to Sunday school. Maybe they go to small groups. Maybe they serve at vacation Bible school. But when they intentionally take the time to be still before the Lord, it's this connection piece that's lacking and that they know it's lacking. I think a lot of us, if we're honest in our prayer life, we may get up in the morning and say, okay, God, I want you to be with me. Um, I may pray for my friend who doesn't know you. When things get really tough, I'm really going to pray because that's when it gets hard. And throughout the day, I may do a little check-in if, if it's a good day. But a lot of us tend to take our prayer life and our abiding relationship with God and we silo it. We put it in this little box of, okay, that was my, my time with the Lord for five, maybe ten minutes with morning coffee. And then I do my whole day and my day is chaos or it's busy. And then I may touch base later that night, but our connection with God feels siloed, and it just wasn't meant to be that way. So why do we need a close proximity connection with the Lord? I'm going to offer that we were made, our birthright in Christianity is to have uninterrupted communion. But why? Why would that be important? There's a handful of verses, if you've heard me talk on this topic or teach on this topic, that drive my personal prayer life. I'm, I'm not just saying that this drives how I teach it. Daily, these verses are in front of me when I encounter the Lord. The first one is from Matthew 7. Depart from me, I never knew you. That's a really sobering verse. And he's talking to the people who are doing the heavy lifting. They're casting out demons in that verse. 
they're doing the things, the really impressive things in our Christian culture. And he said, you did all this, but when you cry out, Lord, Lord, I'm going to say, depart from me. I never knew you. And just practically, when you really know someone, it's not at a distance. It's, it's right next to each other. So that verse, when I am before the Lord, is right here all the time. And it's often the verse that's before me when I'm sitting with people praying to. Another verse that drives just this, this idea of needing desperately close proximity with the Lord is the verse also found in Matthew that the love of many will grow cold. And I think sometimes as believers we read that verse and go, oh, that's those guys. Not, not me. That's those guys. My love's solid. I got baptized at age 11. I'm good. I'm good to go. That's not true. It's not true. The love of many will grow cold. And I think if you do enough study of commentaries on that verse, there's lots of ideas and, and theological thoughts about what that verse means. I think that we are in danger if we write ourselves out of that verse. Because it says that some weak faith will grow cold. When persecution comes, love will grow cold. I think that if you want to secure a burning hot love, you have to be near the Lord. And I will never, as long as I live, write myself out of that scripture in Matthew 24. I think it's a danger to say I am somehow arrived and beyond that verse. I think we have to hold that verse right here and go, where's, where's the temperature on my love of God. And to keep it solid, you have to be near the source. Um, two other uh, parables that stay right in front of my face when we talk about connection and think about connection with God. And you know these if you've grown up in the church. The parable of the ten bridesmaids or ten virgins or ten torchbearers, however you, whatever translation or commentary you want to look at. There are five who were called wise. And why were they wise? What'd they do? They got oil. And again, there's a lot of thoughts about what oil is. I would say that a safe bet on oil is this hidden life with Christ, whether that's gaining the spirit, if it's gaining revelation with God, if it's taking your sins before him daily and going, okay, speak to me about why this got in there. The five wise bridesmaids had oil. And they had secured enough so that when the, the bridegroom came, they were ready. That's right in front of my face every day, personally, and just as I'm on mission. We're in a season, I believe, where we have to be getting oil. You watch the news for five minutes, you're like, I need oil. It's time to get oil. Um, so that, that parable drives this idea of connection. And then one of my favorites, the parable of the wedding feast. I think we are in danger as Christians, even long-term Christians, of writing ourselves out of the story. I think we're in danger when we regulate the people in the court to a certain group. When we put ourselves in the idea of either we're way out in the city when the king gets mad at the people who were invited, he goes to get them. I think we have to put ourselves right in the court and say, are we going to be the ones who would not come? There's an invitation, not just at the end, there's an invitation right now to come to the feast. And so this to me is why connection is so important. We're meant to have this uninterrupted communion. I know there's a lot of talk in this class about freedom. Um, I, I gladly, happily hold a banner for freedom prayer. I love 
that ministry, and I hope that I am doing that ministry till I am old. I was going to say old and gray. I'm, I'm already gray. Just cover it up. But, but that I'm very, very old doing that ministry. It is difficult to get freedom from strongholds if you don't go to the one who has the ability to remove them. We are an independent, self-reliant, self-help kind of culture. And I can't tell you how many people I sit with, and I can't tell you how many times I myself have tried to just pull myself up by the bootstraps and get over it, or fix it, or read something that may help in a book, or, or try to regulate cognitively some sort of new behavior. If we want freedom from strongholds, we have to go to the one who can unlock them, who can unlayer them. And you can't do that off in a distance. There's, there's a verse about only the rebellious dwell in a parched land. We were meant to dwell in the house with the Lord. That those, those verses, there's lots of verses about this idea of being close. That's our birthright. And often, even as believers, we have like a foot in the garage or a foot down the street. And sometimes in seasons, way out in the desert in a parched land when we've been invited to get close. Um, I love catechism. The chief end of man is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. Really difficult to glorify God fully if you're not in a state of enjoying him. I have difficulty enjoying people who are far from me. I enjoy them when they're right in front of me. I'm not a big fan of talking on the phone because I want to be right here. I want to see them. I want to sense their reactions. I want to hear their voice. I want to be able to reach out and go, yeah, I'm with you. That's in us because it started right here with the idea of glorifying him. You have to be up close to do that. Um, lots of verses about receiving revelation. Man, do we need revelation. We need it for our kids. We need it for our marriages. We need it for how to do life in a world that's kind of slowly going darker and darker. We are supposed to, in that season, be brighter and brighter, like lights, like Daniel. We can't do that. We can't receive revelation on a long-distance phone call with the Lord, right up close and personal. And then we have to protect against deception. And this one's really interesting because I think that in Christian culture, in church, we tend to write ourselves out of that equation sometimes. Like if I'm saved, I'm tracking with Jesus. Ideally, yes. But look at Peter. Peter was up close and personal in the flesh with Jesus for a number of years. And in one moment, Peter says, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus says, there's no way you could have known that. This is my paraphrase. Without hearing it from the Father. So he's walking in that good revelation. And then flip the coin, and he says, no, Jesus, Jen's paraphrase, you, you can't go to the cross, you can't do this. And Jesus says what? Get behind me, Satan. Now, we tend to read that and go, well, Peter was being really dumb, of course. Peter was with him in the flesh, up close and personal, and he could be deceived that quickly. We are no different I am no different. And so to protect against this, I better be daily just immersed in close proximity with the Lord, uninterrupted. I am not beyond being deceived. In fact, often my prayer life looks like, God, I feel like this thing that I'm thinking feels a little foreign. 
I'm not convinced it's from you. Will you unlayer it? Will you show me the source? I don't trust my feelings. Our feelings can be extremely, extremely misleading. And I love this one. I think we have a lot of people in the church, I have been there myself, who are serving out of guilt, serving out of trying to build their Christian resume to be worthy enough to be on the A-team at church, to be on the A-team of Christianity. It is so much more fun to be obedient, so much more life-giving to be obedient if it's from here. Like we're supposed to be close to the Lord, close proximation. We're supposed to be connected all the time so that our service, our obedience is this, not guilt-based, not trying to prove our worth, not trying to get enough points to make it into the biggest mansion in heaven. It's based from here. And that aroma, I'm convinced, in this season, in this time in the church, that's the aroma that's actually going to bring the lost back in. They can see right through the other stuff. I know it because I'm around a lot of them. (laughs) They know when it's a fraud. They know when it's hypocritical. The world does guilt-based obedience really well. This, out of connection, the world can't, can't fake that. They don't have a definition. The enemy does not know how to do this. So connection with God and love-based obedience, that's where it's at. And we were made for friendship with God. It's hard to be somebody's friend if you don't check in with them, if you don't sit with them, if you don't have coffee with them, if you're not in communion. Friendship is where it's at. So I sort of just gave you some biblical support, but now I'm really going to give you the biblical support. I'm going to invite you to look at these a lot on your own. These are some of many of the verses that I believe really make a case for drawing near. Um, In Matthew 6, it's kind of Jesus' thesis on prayer. Who does he say that you're supposed to pray to? When he's giving instructions on prayer, who are we praying to? The Father. Do you know that the majority of people who sit down to pray and really intentionally learn to pray when we start talking about praying to the Father, their, their natural reaction is, I, I, can I do that? Where is he? Like, he's way, way far away. He's way up. He's, he's majestic, and he is. He's creator God, but I, I don't really have a gauge for that. But Jesus says you have to go to the Father first. The Father who, in that passage, sees you, he sees you, and the, the Father who says he will reward you. The reward is him. He's not necessarily going to give you a a big new sports car. That's not the reward. He's always the reward. There's this idea, too, that when you draw near to the Father, and as, as as Jesus continues his thesis on prayer, when he says this is how you should pray, what does he say? Where where do we start? Our Father. And so the idea of going to the Father is his instruction, but you get something in return, and it's this idea that your spirit understands its full adoption. And many people, if they're honest, when they sit down to pray, and I've, I've seen this over and over again, and there's some of my very favorite prayer times, they go, I know when I was baptized, I've been in the church, I love God, I don't know him, and I don't know if my spirit has ever cried, Abba, Father. That is, that is a thing. It's not just pretty language. We were meant to intentionally flesh that out. If you do not know, if your spirit goes, Abba, Father, 
and understands every right and privilege that comes with that, I encourage you to sit down with some friends. Here at Otter Creek, you could sign up for Freedom Prayer and, and be honest about that. I don't know if my spirit has that back and forth call and answer, call and response with the Spirit of God. That's an okay thing to say. There are Christians all over the world right now going, yeah, I don't know. And, and I think it's timely. I think we better know. I think we're supposed to know. Some of my very favorite passages, God's really clear on this. We are supposed to draw near. He's not saying stay at a distance. He's not saying silo my prayer life. He's not saying check in every now and then. It's get right up close and personal. Both of those passages do that. In John 14, I love the idea of abiding with the Trinity. If you really look at that chapter, it says we will come and make our abode with you. Who's the we? Trinity. Yeah. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. It's the same idea as there is this house I live in. I sit at the table. I dine with the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And it is actually not just a check-in. It's my home. So when I start the day, I am at home with the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And I'm at home with them when I get in the car. And I'm at home in the middle of Kroger. There's sometimes I confess, I'm like, I don't know if I want to be at home in the middle of Kroger. I just need to get the groceries and get out before anyone passes out. Like, but the idea is we're supposed to move in that home base with the Trinity and abide. And that's a church word that you either love or you hate, depending on your upbringing. I love this word. Abiding is like coming home. And we exist to come home with the Lord 24-7. You don't just get it on Sunday. You don't just get it on Wednesday night. Because this is where your identity comes from in 1 John, as children of God. This is how you know who you are. And I will tell you that the enemy is not at all concerned with churches, no matter what denomination. He's not even really concerned if you call yourself a believer. Where he gets anxious are churches and children of God who know who they are and operate from that place because they know who God is. The enemy, I think, loves sleepy churches, sleepy Christians. But if you know who you are from a connection place, if you know who God is from that place, that's a game changer. That's when ministry gets full. That's when life gets full. You're on joyful mission, not because you're trying to check a Christian checklist or get a better seat in heaven. It's a love-based obedience because you know your identity. It's important. So let's talk about practically how to do this. This whole idea of prayer, and I love the discipline of prayer. And if you hate that word discipline, I'll, I'll try to change your mind on that word today. I think disciplines are great because this is where we get who we are. We become who we are. So in a discipline of prayerfully drawing near, that's a buzzword if you, if you follow Christian ministry, especially female Christian ministry, where I'm often left going is, that's great, but how do we do that? I think there are steps. So when you start to draw near, whatever that looks like, and I just want to say, I, I don't assume in this room, because I'm just trying to free you up, that everybody has a quiet time with the Lord. It's hard to step into that discipline, even for church people. And I think the enemy is bent on making sure that we don't. 
I bet you all have stories of sitting down and the baby throws a fit or you get a phone call or you've only got two minutes because you have to get to work. The enemy is bent on making sure drawing near does not happen because he's aware of how important it is. So to free you up, if this is your first time even considering this, it's okay. You can't start from behind. It doesn't work that way in the kingdom. So you can kind of shelve the guilt. Like if you're squirming right now, it's okay. Let's start now. Let's start today in this room. And so when you draw near, you have to start up here because this is really the battlefield, your mind. It really is. Your heart, your, your spirit, however you want to talk about that, it longs to be near the Father. Even unbelievers, if they can't name it, that's the longing in their heart, whether they know it or not. We are no different. We long to be near the Father. We do a whole lot of stuff to try to fill that need that's unnecessary. He's the answer. And so you start here, and you just start to think about the Father. You start in your mind, that freedom mindset. And you can start with truth, and truth for you could look like this. I know I was made to connect to you, God. Jen gave us a whole lot of verses that say why. I know that in my mind, nothing else about me knows that, though. That's an okay way to start. I know truth. I'm going to declare truth because we know that does something when you declare life. But every part of me wants to run. How many of you have tried to sit down and pray, and you start with your mind, and your mind gets bombarded? The grocery list, the car that needs fixed, the house that needs cleaned, what you need to do for your job, worries. And so we have to learn a discipline of prayer where we go, okay, my mind is the battleground. The enemy knows it. And I'm just going to start shelving. The idea of shelving these things that are preventing connection. I do this all the time because I am no different. Even after doing this so many years, I sit down and I just start going this. Okay, God, you know all these things that I have to do and need to do, and I'm just going to shelve them before you. I'm not going to do them right now. I'm not going to think about them. We'll think about them later. I am bent on knowing this truth of connection. Your will, your will's going to argue with it because we are, we are independent, self-reliant, proud people. We are no different. We like to read those verses about the Jewish people and the Israelites, and we go, Shame on you. We, we are stiff-necked. We are just like them. And so you have to take what's true up here and bend your will towards it. That's a discipline to be practiced. It's okay if you feel a little bit of struggle. The enemy knows that. God knows it too. Your emotions. Your emotions cannot be trusted. So your emotions may go, well, this is true, but it doesn't feel true for me. No! You go, no, it's true, whether my heart knows it or not yet. My heart will know it, but it's okay that it's not there yet. Even your flesh. How many times have you sat down, you're like, okay, I'm going to have this really, really good connected time with the Lord. And you're like, man, I'm hungry. Got to get up. Got to get a snack. Oh, I'm so tired. I'm just, I'm just going to take a nap, and then I'll revisit it. Everything in us wants to come against the thing that we were made for that your spirit's crying out for it. And we could fill it with the things that meet the needs of the flesh or follow our emotions in it that lead us somewhere else. Your spirit longs to know that Abba Father back and forth. And so you can practice disciplining everything. My prayer life, when if I'm struggling in this, it will look like, all right, flesh, get in line. 
get in line with what's true, get in line with what my spirit craves. All right, emotions, doesn't matter that I don't feel like it, get in line with what's true. That's an okay prayer to do that. If you're having trouble getting there, use scripture. I mean, that's why this is here. It's meant to be digested. It's meant to be chewed on. Use it. So if I don't feel like, and I'm distracted, and my mind's fuzzy, I'll say something like, I was meant to abide at the table with the Trinity. That's my birthright. I'll say it out loud. I've done this for a long time. I am not above saying it out loud. At my house, in my car, this is what's true. Everything line up with it. And then I'll look at scripture, and we're going to practice this in a minute, and I'll try to determine, can I get there? I know this is true in scripture, but can I, mind, body, soul, will, emotions, flesh, spirit, all of it, can I get there? Because this was not just meant to be read academically. It was meant to be kind of swimming in it, chewing on it, digesting it. All of your senses, we are sensory people. Why do you think that is? Those senses belong to God, and we try to do connection like from one place here often, and we find if we're honest, we're a little bit disappointed. Full, wholehearted, full, whole selves connected to God. And so you look and you go, can I get there? Why can't I get there? God, will you show me why I can't get there? If you struggle to get to the Father, and we all do at some point or another, we consider Jesus. If you look at that Hebrews 4 passage at the end of that passage talking about Sabbath rest. And that Sabbath rest is just not on the other side of heaven. It's, it's now. To get Sabbath rest, you have to draw near. And when you struggle, you have to consider the great high priest who tore the veil so that we could go boldly to the throne of grace to receive help in time of need. That is for us right here, right now. So much to gain from doing that, and we don't access it. It's right there. So if you struggle, just go, okay, Jesus, you made it possible. You did everything necessary. I don't actually have to do a thing. I can't do a thing to earn my way to the throne of grace. You did it. So I'm considering you, and I'm marching there boldly with confidence right up close to the throne where the Father is. Those verses are in there. You can look them up. And then choose. This is a matter of your will. Sometimes your emotions, sometimes your mind. Choose to draw near. I'm choosing to do this no matter what the distraction, no matter what everything else is saying. I'm choosing right now to do that. So those are some steps. Let's talk really quickly about roadblocks. There is such a thing as prayer performance anxiety. I see it on a weekly basis. Even for believers who've been in the church for 20, 30, 40 years, I've actually heard people who are in ministry go, prayer's not really my gift. I'm like, no, no, no. Prayer's, prayer's like a constant. It's Christianity 101. And we were all meant to step into it. There should not be super prayer people, super spiritual prayer people. That's for all of us. And so it's normal to be nervous. It's normal to have fear. Another roadblock, we're really independent. We don't want help. And we, that's the problem. God, God's got all the help. He's got all the answers. But we're like, no, we got this. We can do it. Um, I think one of the biggest misconceptions is the idea that, okay, I sat down last week to be with the Lord, and it immediately got distracting. I'm like, okay, I'm done. I'm not good at this. 
that I'm not good at this in prayer is a big problem for most of us. And there's a biblical precedent set between building capacity in the discipline of connection to God and just straight up arriving. I think we have this idea that, okay, we're going to sit down and do this, and it's going to be like, ah, heavenly chorus, Shekinah glory God, the room lights up, whatever, whatever your ideas are. That's awesome if that happens for you. I think it does sometimes. Smaller, smaller percentage there. Great. For most of us, just like every other spiritual discipline, you build capacity. You, you step in. If we just take the idea of adoption, that verse in Romans, with adoption, the whole, just earthly adoption, the whole idea is over time to build capacity to attach. I'm an adoptive parent. My, my youngest was not attached at the beginning. Daily, multiple times a day, building capacity to attach. Keep building, keep building. There's struggles, even when it's good. You rebuild capacity to attach. It's okay to work into it. God knows that. If you don't think that's true, think about Samuel and Eli. He did not know the voice of God at the beginning. He went running in to see Eli. Is that you? No? And he went back. There's a biblical precedent for missing it. It's okay. We're supposed to build in our ability to hear God. Ungodly beliefs, unforgiveness, unconfessed sin, I'm pretty sure in this class over some weeks you guys are going to look at that in detail. I mean, one of the biggest walls for us in getting to the Father are these three things. And I'm not going to spend a lot of time on them because I think you will. If Even though some of you might be new to this whole topic, you can just objectively go, yeah, I could see where that would kind of invade my ability to connect. And I know in weeks to come, we'll, you'll dive into those. So let's practice for a couple minutes. And, and I, if this is new, that's okay. But we're going to take a couple minutes because this is the best part. You can just, even if you're nervous about it right now, just choose to go, yeah, I want to step into this a little bit. So we're going to warm up with connection. We're going to use scripture for both of these. Um, just using scripture. There's lots of ways to connect to God. I, I really believe that this was meant for our good and we're supposed to use it. So I, I always want to start with scripture if we can. So what I'm going to do in a second, I'm going to ask you to close your eyes. I don't want you to worry about who's next to you or what they're doing in this. Because what's the point of coming to church if you don't connect to God? So we're going to do that. Just kind of phase everybody else out. And we're just going to use some scripture to try to connect. And I'm going to lead you through it. I'm going to play instrumental music. There's nothing special about this music. It's not magic music or connection music. Really, the point of the music is if you need to shift in your chair or cough, Overseas, you're not going to feel weird doing it while everyone's so still praying. So it's to kind of give you a buffer and to help you kind of check everything else out, okay? So I'm going to just have you right now close your eyes, and as I'm finding the music, just position your heart to connect to God, even if this is the first time you've tried it. Just position your heart to connect there. Take a moment and just internally just tell the Lord, I'm choosing right now to connect to you. I want to connect to you. And the Lord knows our frailty. That's why he gives so many pictures of his personality. 
So just for a moment, think about the Lord as your shepherd. Just focus all of your senses there. The Lord is your shepherd. Maybe you tell him that back to him right now. And some of you are going to need to tell him, I know you're my shepherd. It doesn't feel that way right now. Can you tell me or name for me why I know this truth in my head, but my heart can't connect to it? Can you show me why? connecting with someone and the Lord's a being and he's he's telling you you have a free pass to connect you look at them you sense them you hear them Jesus is saying I'm your shepherd and sheep hear his voice so just tell him that truth Lord I know in my mind I was meant to hear your voice can I hear it right now you are my shepherd. I'm thinking about you. You made these senses. I want to sense you. And if you're my shepherd, I'm not wanting for anything. God, I know that's true. Help me to know right now that it's true. Tell me why it doesn't feel true. With you, there's no want. I don't know if I really know that. Could you show me why? Could you lead me closer so I know what it is that you're the reward? And this is the place of submission. He makes you lie down in green pastures. He really does have to make us sometimes. So just tell him, I choose to submit. I allow you to, to let me just rest right now in that place of peace and green pastures. imagery in this psalm is not accidental, but it's personal for you. <laughs> Ask him, God, what is the purpose of those quiet waters in my life right now? What do you want me to sense or gain or glean from them? What are they needing to fill that I have kept from you? What's different about these waters compared to the waters I've been drinking from? You tell me or show me why I need them so much. What's the place you want to fill right now and you name For some of you, it's going to feel pretty big and desperate. For others, maybe just a little bit desperate. 
but just decide, choose to tell him, I am desperate for you to restore my soul. I stay so busy, I don't even really acknowledge the hole that I have, this need that I have for my soul to be restored. I rushed through my morning, I got the kids here. I did all the things that I'm supposed to do on a Sunday morning, but my soul is desperate to be restored. It feels numb. It feels asleep. It feels full of things that are dragging us down. God, I give you permission to restore my soul. And for some of you, you just need to confess, and it's an okay confession. I don't want to let you restore my soul. I don't trust you to restore my soul. I don't believe that I fit into that truth. I feel like I'm the exception. My soul seems too broken, too tired. So I'm resisting it, but I'm deciding to let you restore my soul. Feel what it is. Give yourself permission to feel what it is to have your soul restored. Resist the urge to run. That's why you decided to let him make you again move in postures. It's why you decided to let him make you faster walls. Acknowledge the place that your soul is thirsty for Him and only Him. And this is where true worship rises up because you start to know your need and that He's really the only one who can do it. So you can worship from that place of God. It's you. I stay at a distance trying to be revived, but it's you and it's near to you. If you feel ashamed or guilty or full of sin, just tell him. We are supposed to come right to him with all of our mess, all of our hiddenness, all of our brokenness. Just tell him, I'm bringing it right before you by these still waters, by this pink grass. I can't carry it. I'm putting it in your light. I don't want to hide. And look to him. Sense his countenance. He has a response to you. You specifically, he can do that. He's God. Search him out. What does he feel about you? Beside these these waters. If you get distracted, just go back. God, I gave you permission. scriptures on you because I know most of you might do a little psalm reading, little New Testament reading. This is just how to connect in your quiet time. 
just going to think about a place of wounding, and you guys are going to talk about this in a week or two. Just keep your eyes closed and focused on Jesus, but raise your hand if you've ever been wounded, big or small, by someone. Little wound, big wound, old wound from your childhood. Hey, just think about that wound for a second, and we're going to connect in the place of Luke 15. Same God, same responses to you. And just tell the Lord in these moments, I'm choosing to let you see the place where I've been hurt. I'm not going to deny it. I'm not going to rationalize it. I'm not going to stuff it. But like the lost coin hidden behind a dresser that was lost intentionally or lost haphazardly, I'm choosing God to let you find me. I'm choosing to let you find me in that place of loneliness, big or small. Find you, he comes with a light. And that light, like the woman in the parable, it's to light up the darkness, not to expose you, not to expose your pain, not to expose your place of wounding, but he's lighting up the darkness that wants to rename you, to mess up your identity, to keep you from the world. So just let him tell him, I choose to let you shine the light on this wounded place. I need to see the difference between the place that I'm hurting and who I really am. God, will you light it up? Like that woman in the parable who comes looking intentionally. Show me the places where I believed I was the darkness, where I was the wounding. Show me the places of shame. Light it up for me. of darkness, his response scripturally is that he pulls you up out of it, out of the miry place, so, so let him. God, I have lived in that lost place of wounding. It is hurt. It's like a bruise that gets bruised over and over and over again. I choose to let you lift me up. I can't do it. I've tried to claw my way out. I can't do it. I'm asking you to do the thing that only you can And he lifts you up. And he sets your feet on a rock, firmly planted. That's what scripture says. Choose to believe it. But look to him. If you're talking to a person, a being, look to him. <coughs> and when he sets you there, his response throughout all of scripture is to speak value and worth and identity. Ask him who you really are, despite what the wounding said. Who do you say I am, God? What do you call me? What am I worth to you? He has things to say to you. It's all about uninterrupted communion. And it's worship. You can give him the glory. He's the only one who can do this for you. I don't care how many self-help books you read. you got to hear from him. So ask him, who am I? What do you say when you lift me up out of that darkness and you shine the light? 
places where I was abandoned, lost, rejected, shamed. I don't want to live there anymore. <clears throat> you, God, who lead me beside still waters, who quiet my soul, restore my soul, who lifts me up and out. I want to know who I am really. Who do you say that I am? do anything that only he can do. Thank you for any little place where you moved in closer. It's okay to feel like I'm not quite there yet on this connection thing. That's okay. We're building capacity. Any place where you heard him a little better, saw him a little better, sensed him a little better, just say thank you and tell him the cry in my heart is to know that more. Forgive me that I go everywhere else looking for answers but you. The cry of my heart is to know that And when you're ready, you can take your time. You can open your eyes. Forty-five minutes, not enough time. <laughs> Could do that all day. So I know in a room this size, there's a variety of responses. And I hope that in the weeks to come, even though I won't be here, that the connection piece will just continue. I know what Andy's doing well enough to know that we're just building and building on things. And so just raise your hand if you've got someplace new with the Lord. Someplace different. Bless the Lord. Good. Raise your hand if there were struggles that you're aware of a little bit more of why they're there. Just show me. Good. Raise your hand if you're hungry for more. Okay. Don't don't give up on this. I um, I think now more than ever, and I've kind of been pursuing this kind of stream for a long, long time. And I'm convinced, like a clock ticking internally, that the people of God have got to be connected to Him in these days. It is time. We have to be. You should make it your mission to be like this. I'm, I'm on mission there. And my, my days are spent right there. It is the, the, the motivation for everything that I'm doing. We have to be right there. It's, it's how we get unified. And it's how we, we stay in this place of wildly lighting up when everything else grows dark. It's how we, we keep ourselves right here in the midst of persecution in the midst of deception right here. So in all that you do, make that your mission. And everything else is kind of gravy. Everything else works out. I have a lot of people I see her about, what am I called to? What's my, and it's like, you're called to this. This is what you're called to. And everything else flows from that. So thank you. Such a privilege to spend time with you. Some of you I know and love you. The ones I don't know, I already love you. Just doing that. Love, we're connected. So thank you. Have a good day.